What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm Dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from S&T Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smartstart for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Welcome to a special episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease, and today we're diving in to the life and crimes of Israel Keys. Welcome to the all-new True Crime Never Sleeps podcast with your host, Larry Lease. Join us every week this season as we dive into the life and crimes of serial killers. From the butcher baker, Robert Hansen, to the Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo. So let's begin. Today we're going to dive into one of Alaska's most creepy serial killers, Israel Keys. He's not a nice man and did a lot of unpleasant things. It's believed that he's killed up to a dozen people before he was finally cut. There's a lot to get into. On February 1st, 2012, 18-year-old Samantha Koning was working late shift at the Common Grounds Espresso Coffee Stand in Anchorage. She had been working there about a month and was a popular worker and well-liked by the regulars. At this stage in his career, Israel Keys was stalking four locations, not for people, but for places to murder easily. He eventually settled on the Common Grounds Espresso Stand. It was open later than other coffee stands, making an easier target. Keyes chose that night in particular as he had tickets to take a cruise to Mexico from Louisiana the very next day at his home, also in Anchorage. In his shed, he placed two heaters to keep it warm and spread a tarp on the floor to deal with any blood. Shortly before 8 p.m., after listening to his traffic scanner, he heard something big was happening on the other side of Anchorage, which would draw the police away. Israel Keys pulled over his face pulled over his face a ski mask and approached the Common Grounds coffee stand. He planned on robbing that place, but didn't know how many people worked there. Unfortunately, it was just Samantha. He walked and calmly ordered an Americano. She prepared the drink, but when she turned around to hand it to him, Keys pointed a handgun at her. He to- he told her to turn off the lights and then climb through the window and into the coffee stand. He told her to get on her knees as he bound her. She said her father was going to be there at any moment to pick her up. He hesitated, but eventually pushed her to his car. He put her in the passenger seat, told her he was going to hold her for ransom. Israel Keyes was born in 1978 in Richmond, Utah, to parents who were Mormon, and then was homeschooled when the family moved to the state of Washington. They began to attend the Ark, a Christian identity church with pretty racist and anti-Semitic views. He later admitted to sexually assaulting a young girl in Oregon sometime between 1996 and 
1998. He would have been 18, 20, year, 20 years old at the time. At 20, he joined the Army, serving at Fort Lewis, Fort Hood, and in Egypt. He was known for his heavy drinking and his love of the insane clown posse. In 2000, he was honorably discharged from the Army, and it was during this time he proclaimed he was an atheist. He said his first murder victim was in 2001, while he lived in nearby Washington. Though it is unknown who his first victim was on that fateful day. He's also claimed to have murdered a couple while he was living in Washington and alluded to them being buried in a location near a valley. Keyes further claimed he had committed four murders in total while living in Washington State from 2001 to 2007, but gave investigators very little to go on, alluding to two separate murders in either 2005 or 2006. In 2007, Israel Keyes moved to Anchorage, Alaska. Here he established Israel. Uh, keys to construction and began working as a constructor or a contractor. He seemed like a very normal person, your average Joe, dedicated to his business and a family man to his daughter and girlfriend. A quiet guy who generally kept to himself, but keep to himself he did not. By that time, Israel Keys was already a serial killer, bank robber, and everything in between. His hero was Ted Bundy and they did share a number of similarities. He would travel to locations to the U.S., always wanting to keep the attention away from him, committing murders and other unspeakable acts. Israel Keyes planned murders well in advance and took extraordinary action to avoid detection. He placed murder bags around the country filled with shovels, guns, and ammunition. Keyes would later admit to kidnapping a woman on the East Coast in April 2009. When he said, who he said was taken across state lines and buried in upstate New York. Authorities suspect the victim may have been 49-year-old Deborah Feldman, also around the time Keyes robbed a bank in New York in June 2011. Israel Keyes flew from Alaska to Chicago, then rented a car and drove more than 900 miles to the small town of Essex, Vermont. On the night of June 8th, Keyes broke into the home of Bill and Lorraine Courier, subdued them, took them to another location where he shot Bill and sexually assaulted Lorraine before strangling her. Their disappearance remained a mystery until Israel's confession. Keyes never gave law enforcement an exact number of his victims. However, it's believed to be around 12. But it would be his last victim, Samantha, that would prove to be his undoing. After taking her keys, he drove Samantha to the house he shared with his girlfriend and young daughter, tied her up in a shed next to the house. He managed to do this unnoticed somehow by his girlfriend. He told Samantha that he would kill her if she screamed, and then he turned on the radio in the shed to cover up any noise she made. Keyes then left, and after getting information from Samantha, he broke into her boyfriend's truck and stole her debit card. He then returned to his house, poured himself a glass of wine, and went back to the shed. He then sexually assaulted her while choking her till he killed her. After he was finished with her, he wrapped her body in a tarp and stuffed her in a cabinet in the freezing shed. By then it was morning, he woke his daughter for school and called a cab to get to the airport where he flew to New Orleans on a cruise he had booked months earlier. After his cruise was over, Israel Keyes traveled to Texas where he robbed and burned a house. He then robbed a branch of the National Bank of Texas. After that, he drove to Houston and flew back to Anchorage. On February 19th, he returned to his home 
removes Samantha's body from the freezer and had sex with her frozen corpse. A few days later, he applied makeup to her face to make her appear alive, kept her eyes open with fishing line, and photographed her with a recent newspaper. He then included the photo with a ransom note to Samantha's family, telling them to deposit $30,000 into Samantha's bank account if they wished to see her alive again. He then texted Samantha's boyfriend from her phone, giving him directions to a dog park where he left a photo on the demands. A few days later, Israel took Samantha's body and dumped it in Manuska Lake near Anchorage. Keyes flew to Las Vegas, rented a car, and drove to Arizona where he used Samantha's debit card to withdraw $400. Keyes wore a disguise when he made the transactions, but an ATM security camera recorded an image of the white Ford Focus rental car he was driving. It did not capture the license plate, but it was clear enough to determine the make and model of the car. Two days later, on March 9th, Keyes withdrew money from an ATM in Texas, and the FBI alerted Texas law enforcement officials to be on the lookout for a wide Ford Focus. On March 13th, a Texas highway patrolman spotted a, a white Ford Focus parked at a motel when Keyes left the motel. The officer followed him and noticed the car was traveling three miles over the speed limit. Using this as an excuse, the police officer pulled him over and asked Israel for his driver's license. When he gave him his Alaska driver's license, the officer then called for backup. Police found the mask Keys wore while withdrawing the money from ATMs, a gun, and Samantha's debit card in the vehicle. They arrested Keys. A few days later, they flew him back to Anchorage. At first, Keys refused to talk to investigators, but on March 31st, he admitted to abducting Samantha Koning from the coffee stand. He said he would give authorities more details eventually on the murder of Samantha and his many other crimes. But he would only talk if they could promise to keep the details from the press. He didn't want his daughter to read about everything he had done to Samantha. He did agree to tell the investigators the details of the abduction and murder of Samantha Koning, as well as where to find her body. And a few days later, police recovered her remains. On May 23rd, Keyes appeared before a U.S. district judge in a federal court for a hearing to set a trial date. Partway through the hearing, Keyes broke free from his steel leg shackles and jumped over the railing into the first row of seats in the gallery area. Deputies tackled Keyes and used a taser to subdue him. Investigators who questioned Keyes said he was arrogant and sometimes seemed bored while relating the details of his crimes. But when talking about an abduction or murder, he'd get excited and sit on the edge of his seat. In late November, he met again with investigators, but by the end of the interview, he seemed distracted and told them he might be willing to talk to them. The following week, two days later, at 5.57 a.m., a prison guard performing a security check noticed a strange red-colored streak on the floor of cell 3. Keyes was found lying face down in a cell covered in blood. He was pronounced dead at 6.13 a.m. He had slid open his wrist along the vein and a razor blade at a razor blade attached to a pencil was found under his body. Wanting to make sure he got an A-plus and killing himself, he laid on his stomach, tied a bedsheet noose around his neck, then with his left leg bent, he tied the other end of the sheet around his left ankle. This ensured that when he lost consciousness due to the blood loss, the force of his leg lowering back down to the bed would tighten the noose around him and strangle him. 
Police officials still have not determined how Keyes obtained a razor blade while locked in his cell. Keyes died doing what he loved, killing. But now the investigators would never know about as many, many more victims that he never told them about or the location of the bodies that were hidden across the U.S. Keyes left a four-page suicide note on a yellow legal pad. Saturated with his blood, it was unreadable until the FBI restored most of it though it didn't hold much on the way of information regarding his crimes or anything else police could use. And so ends a long, tragic, and horrific story of Israel Keyes. Psychopath, murderer, someone who held key information on a long list of cold cases that will likely never be solved. Thank you for listening to this episode of this True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Join us next week as we dive into life and crimes of another serial killer. You can follow us on Twitter at True Crime NS. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash True Crime Never Sleeps. Give us a like and review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. If you enjoy the content we deliver, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash True Crime Never Sleeps. You can financially support us on a number of different tiers. Going from $5 a month to 50 each with its own distinct perks and benefits. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Follow us on Twitter at True Crime NS. Like us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps. Tune in next week for an all new episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.